Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. You are a function of what the universe is doing, in the same way that a wave is a function of what the whole ocean is doing. Welcome to Cosmology, the 130th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of philosopher Alan Watts. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music, you can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. I'm Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn Ode's mother. 130 episodes? Seriously? Yep. So, so back to talking Damn. about Sting the wrestler, <laughs> yeah. not Sting the musician. No, no, no kidding. stop okay. it. <laughs> That's for people who were in, who are in our live. pregame. Oh, the pregame. Our, the pregame <laughs> and the live recording. Way to, way to make a football reference. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Nice, nice. On, on the Sunday of the Super Bowl, Super we're Bowl recording. Sunday. Thank you that I didn't know what was happening until someone <laughs> in the pre-show live chat mentioned it. Yes. So, okay. Welcome to the green room, everybody. Um, <laughs> okay, so housekeeping. 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 <gasps> it's the first recording of the month, so car. Everybody's There's a there. bunch of people who support us, <laughs> and you can find their names if you Google them. Does oh, that work? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> there are 38 kittens. We love you, kittens. There are 26 cats, and their names are Anonymouse, Cabra, Cheryl, Christine Phillips, Cindy Barrick, Elisa Durka, M. Talasavari, Hannah F., Jasmine Ray Bell, J.D., Coney Briggs, Kai Oakenshield, Laura Corvus, Malx, Megan, Michael Adnanazo, Rebecca Hillman, Rhonda Graham, Shelby, Shokora, Sora Koff, Swiggy, The Dryad, Tiffany, and Zacchaeus. We love you, cats. Mm-hmm. There are 89 hunters. <laughs> That's more than all the other tiers put together. <laughs> lots and lots of hunters. Lots of hunters. So everybody settle in. <laughs> and their names are Alicia Marlowe, Alyssa Addy, Amber Tannis, Amy Martin, Andy Olson, Anonymous, Autumn Tooley, Beck Blackwell, Benjamin Walburn, Blackbird K, Briar Aldridge, Brittany, Cara B, Carly Hodges, Charlene Hughes, Charles Howison, Cosmic Rose, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, David Doshfen Keys, Disgruntled Honeybee, Elfwort, Alora Driver, Emily Hall, Emily Miller, Felicia Welton, Finn Motherfucking Odinson, Gary Bearstorm, Goddess Incognito, Heather Nunley, Hojin Ko, Indigo, Jax, J.C. Helmer, Jaden Hill, Jen, Jen Hutt, Jeremiah Keel, Jessica Jones, Juniper Shadowcat, Caleb King, Keelan Casey, Ken Hub, Kimberly Lockabee, Kristen Hankins, La Petite Poison, Laura Loki, Logan Olofsson, Loriana Lee Knapp, Luna, Martha Kirby Capo, Megan Parks, Megan Kipper, Megara, Melissa Gerben, Melkor, Meredith Kenton, Misha Magdalene, Morgan King, Olin Crow, Alice Perch, Pablo B. Fordor, Ray Lothrop, Rhiannon M. Gray, Rochilla and Dashvid, Rana, Rose Kiernick, Ryan Hopkins, Sam Sanchez, Samwise the Blonde, Sarah Grace, Sarah O'Dell, Sarenth Odinson, Scooby, Sheila Bond, Shybe, Sky Poor Fair, Sloth, Sonia D, Sprouty, Stephanie Edwards, Stevie Thompson's Studio Prey, Swan Fairy Water, Tanya Marie, The Pirate Cove, The Sugar Maple Seder, Usha Ursha, Victoria Selness, and Zignimi Kukura. We love you, hunters. I think I heard some new names in there. Yes, yes I think we did. Like I said, we love our hunters. Uh-huh. And I see a challenge. They're going to try to get to 100. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they said, car might quit. <laughs> we have 14 leopards, and they are Akaneko, Chris Colobri, Elf Hayful, 
Ellen Veals, Foxchild, Gemma Atkinson, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Kitty Robinson, Chris Mickelson, Mackenzie Boyer, QQ Ann, Robin Archer, Sean Starr, and Stephanie W. We love you, leopards. We have eight tigers. They are our Darren Summit, Kristen Gill, Chris Ashburn, Crystal of Apothecary Tees, Elaine Glantzberg, Jim Two Snakes, Nick's Falling Leaf, and Tree Wizard Creations. We love you, tigers. Mm-hmm. We have two panthers. They're Allie Robinson and Elizabeth Bull. Oh, so much easier. We love you, panthers. <laughs> we, have three, we have three jaguars. Amanda Hicks, Justin Stanage, and Kirsten Ray. We love our jaguar. We have zero lions. That's the fancy level. That's, That's the, the fancy, fancy level. level, yep. And special thanks to Kirsten Zacharias, who donated us a mic forever ago huh? that we still have not used. Yeah. But but it is on our list. It is got on our plans. list. <laughs> we got plans for 2021. Car, talk about uh, the stuff you do, because we still have a little housekeeping to get through. Oh, yeah. So every Sunday from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, hmm? I do a Zoom call that has no meaning, no purpose, and usually ends up with me finding some weird shit that people can buy. This has been, been a, a recent. This is, no, this has been a recurring problem. I've heard about it before. Okay. <laughs> Usually, it's something that like I think Finn might be interested in. And so you add you. Share so the link. I share the link just to Finn. And then everyone clicks on and it. And then Finn clicks. is like, "Fuck you, car." And then <laughs> I see something that I think maybe Sarenth would like, and so I send it to just Sarenth, and Sarenth is like, "This is unfair, car." And then I'm like, "All right, screw it. I'm just going to share the link to everybody." <laughs> and then the last half an hour is us talking about those what's on those links. <laughs> Uh, Rhiannon Gray has dubbed you Carr, the spender of the Pride's money. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I ought to stop so they can get to 100. Hunters, I don't know. Um, sometimes we don't talk at all. Sometimes we just sit there and stare at each other. It's a very <laughs> weird call, but it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the hell out of it. I think everybody else must because they keep they coming keep, back. They keep yeah, so, up, yeah. And then every other Tuesday, so up this upcoming Tuesday, like tomorrow, mm-hmm. I am doing a... YouTube and Facebook Live with Sarenth Odinson and Malik Odinson called Three Pagans on Tap. Mm-hmm. And this week we will be doing whiskey sours. <sighs> we have the sour mix downstairs. Yeah. Yes, we do. Don't maybe. use it all because I, I have to use it Tuesday. I won't. Maybe Ode will be joining you. <laughs> maybe I'll just make a whiskey sour for myself on <laughs> <laughs> the same night. All right, oh, so that, that's uh, that's all I do. Excellent. I think. Pretty sure. You're, aside from you know your day job, right? My day job stuff, where yeah. I make like chocolate and mead and soon to be ice cream mm-hmm. and yeah, spirits beer. and beer and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And then Gwen has a Patheos blog. Yes, I write for Patheos Pagan. Come and check out what I'm doing. I try to write at least once a week now, just about life and stuff. Pa- pagany stuff. Pagany stuff. I'm thinking about doing a book review this week. I'm very excited, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not going to tell you what it no is. No spoilers. No spoilers. Yes. Okay, so I think that's all our housekeeping. So yeah. what do you do? I don't do anything. Oh, okay. I just do this. <laughs> okay, so I guess that means we are house kept and house swept. Yes. Yes, we, we can now move on to our topic. So cosmology is actually an episode that was requested a billion years ago. Oh, that's appropriate for cosmology. <laughs> uh, True. Yeah. And which I actually scheduled multiple times and then kept rescheduling because like different things would come up or we had a different topic we, we really wanted to cover that week or whatever. Things just kept right. happening. We had an unexpected interview, whatever. Like, so I just kept rescheduling it and rescheduling it and finally... We're finally here. We're finally doing this episode. And we did talk a little bit about some cosmology stuff uh-huh. in yeah. one of our... We did a storytelling episode about creation myths, which mm-hmm. is part of cosmologies. There's actually like a, a slight distinction between a cosmology and a cosmogony. Mm-hmm. A cosmology contains a cosmogony. A cosmogony is a story or... The mythology. A fancy a mythology, fucking term. A fancy fucking term right. for an explanation about the beginning of the universe. Mm-hmm. And a cosmology is the structure of the universe, how everything is designed and how it works. You have to specify when you're doing research on these topics whether you mean a scientific cosmology. Which I looked up. Or a religious cosmology. Which I also looked up. Because they're very different subjects. Very different They're both concerned with the same topic, which Mm -hmm. is the origins and structure of the universe, but they are obviously approaching it from very different perspectives. And so I, find it, I find it amazing that we have managed to stick this in between episodes about planets. 
Mm. Yes. Which is I, also yes. our universe. <laughs> yes. So that worked out really well. It's a good thing we had to cancel yeah, it a bunch of times. We have to keep rescheduling it, yeah. <laughs> so we've got big fucking words. Ooh, uh, okay, new word. Thanks, Ode. And Ode and their $10 words. To be fair, it's not Ode's words. Those are yeah, like science's words. Yeah, these are science words. I didn't come up with these. <laughs> I just, I just looked them up. These are, these are, and, you know, these are just words. Yeah. So. All three of us have been accused of using too big a yeah, words. That's fair. Yeah. So. so it's a long-term problem. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, cosmology well, is what we're talking yes. about. Yes, and specifically we are talking about religious cosmology. A scientific cosmology is like coming up with theories about big bangs and so forth. Sort of. But I'm oh, you, go you want to talk about a, a, the scientific cosmology? <laughs> when I was looking up cosmology, the, the first website I came into, because uh, I was looking specifically for the Greek worldview the, of cosmology. And of course, theirs is the most long-lived in the history of scientific cosmology, closely tied to astrology, of course, mm-hmm. and astronomy. But it continued from ancient Greece through medieval Islamic civilization into the 17th century Europe. Their philosopher's way of looking at how the universe was created mm-hmm. is something that our own scientific method really has been, you know, an, an understanding of the universe was built upon. It's an evolution of it's that. It's an evolution yeah. of that thought. And of this course... This is what we've, we've talked about before. Alchemists yeah. were the first scientists. Exactly. And so, you know, we've talked about the fact before that they kind of built it upon Plato's view of the world, which was he sought a deeper level of reality uh, than what was accessible to just the five senses, right? And so that's how he was explaining the world and the universe Mm -hmm. and then of course his was uniform circular motion was was his universal theory his theory of universal cosmology aristotle took it even deeper platonians idealized two-dimensional circles whereas aristotelians went with three-dimensional spheres and so and they also believed that the universe was finite. Mm-hmm. They they thought it was just our galaxy that you know because they couldn't perceive anything beyond it. They couldn't perceive it. Be anything beyond it. And you got to really give them the props. I mean, they did the math. They they calculated what they believed was the distance to the moon and all this kind of stuff. And then Ptolemy came around in 150 AD and he wrote the mathematical treatise of geometrical systems of compound motions on two-dimensional circles to match the observed motions. Which he came up with this idea of basically ellipses. Right. So anyway, I just thought it was fascinating. You know, the scientific understanding of the universe started with Greek philosophy. Right. And those philosophies were as much influenced by religious thought Mm -hmm. at the time, spiritual thought at the time, as they were by uh, the science of the day. And even Ptolemy's was, because Mm -hmm. I have a quote from him, only partial quote, but it was, with regard to virtuous conduct in practical actions and characters, this science, astronomy, Above all, things could make one see clearly. And then he went on to say the, how the universe is ordered, because mm-hmm. he believed, and so did um, the previous philosophers that he built upon, that the universe was not created out of physical matter, but divine matter. Mm-hmm. And so that's where part of this idea of it came from their religious beliefs into it's their actually, scientific beliefs. It's actually a pretty recent phenomenon, Age of Enlightenment and on. Mm-hmm to divorce science and faith. They used to be really sort of interconnected concepts. Yeah, very, very much so. And even, you know, and then it went from Ptolemy, uh, the Islamic philosophers and mathematicians built upon Mm -hmm. Ptolemy and then just kind of went from there until the Enlightenment. <laughs> so followers of Ptolemy, would they, would they be Ptolemations? Because we have Platonians and we had Aristotle, the whatever it was. Aristotelians. Uh, yeah, Aristotelians. Thank you. I, so I couldn't say it. I was like, how the fuck do you say that? So can we have... Ptolemaics, I think it's probably what you're talking about. Not, not sure as I'm as happy with that one, but okay. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Ptolemy believed that astronomy equaled divine things. And he considered the planets and the sun and the moon to be divine. Mm-hmm. And also, previously to Ptolemy, they considered, obviously, a Earth-centric. Right, geocentric. Geocentric, whereas he changed it to we revolved around the sun. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, yeah, that this, idea is older I really <laughs> yeah. wish, than you think it is. I really wish that we could name books like they used to name books. Like the Magus? <laughs> like the Magus, yeah. Continue on. Anyway, so that's my little snapshot of scientific... Ancient. An ancient scientific cosmology, which, uh, you know... Do you have current scientific cosmology, Ode? Well, that would be Big Bang. Right. So, well, Big Bang is technically a a current scientific cosmogony. A theory about the origin of the universe. That's true. And there are multiple extant theories about the structure of the universe 
now. So some people do still believe in a finite universe right. that's somehow contained. Right. Uh, some people believe in an, an infinite universe that is either expanding or contracting. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was interesting that they thought it just... it. Continue. It's just like a... Just continues stretching. Continues stretching, stretching, stretching until eventually it's going to start rolling back. Contracting, yeah. A pretty commonly known theory. The problem with theories like that and what a lot of, of these scientists have to wrestle with is if it's infinitely expanding, mm-hmm. what is it expanding into? Right. What's that space? Mm-hmm. And why don't we count that as part of the universe? And what's what establishes the boundaries of that space? Does it have boundaries? Because the infinite is a concept that's really difficult for the human mind to grapple with. Because it's big. It's not even that it's big. It's that the whole concept of something infinite is that it doesn't have an ending. Right. Right? So it doesn't have edges. Um, and everything we can perceive has some kind of edge. Mm-hmm. It may not be an easily achievable edge, mm-hmm. right? But everything ultimately that we can physically perceive has context. It has a structure of some kind. Mm-hmm. So trying to... And it's, and, and it's especially difficult because we live in this physical structured universe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's difficult to conceive of the universe that we live in, which we know as structured and contained, mm-hmm. also simultaneously at scales we can't perceive being edgeless. Yeah. And then you have, you know, multiple universe theory. And then it right. just Right. You get into strings string, and you get into M theory. All kinds of stuff. <laughs> That's why it's all theory. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. And, and these are all theories. There's no definitive, no. you know, model of the universe. There are multiple models of the universe, which different scientists ascribe to. Unless you watch Chuck and Amara Supernatural. on Supernatural and you find out the Big Bang happened because they had a fight. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to take Supernatural's cosmology. Thank you. It's not coherent. Oh, well, fine. Be that way. Is anything else cosmology-oriented fairly coherent? So so that's an interesting point, actually, because there, there are multiple, obviously, models of religious cosmologies, just the same as there are multiple models mm-hmm. of a scientific universe. Sure. Yep. And some of them are more coherent than others. Most of them weren't coherent when they started out. They've been made coherent over time as by... By, well, by theologians yeah. compiling various cosmological thoughts for a specific religion together and, mm-hmm. and putting out, like, this is my definitive cosmology. Um, and then a bunch of other people in the religion accepting it, basically. So there are some cosmologies, some theories of cosmology that have been made coherent over time. And then there are some cosmologies where the inconsistencies are just an inherent part of the mm-hmm. cosmology itself. So, like, you get into, like, Buddhist and Hindu cosmologies. Hindu cosmology in particular. Buddhist cosmology has has refined a little over time. But Hindu cosmologies, even, like, in the Rig Veda, mm-hmm. there's actually a section of the Rig Veda that basically uh, boils down to, there are a lot of theories about the universe, and all of them might be true. <laughs> yeah, I think there's several creation stories. And they're very interesting. They're beautiful. But that's the thing about creation stories. They're unique to, to the, cultures the that culture created them. that created them. Yeah. One, one more question. Mm-hmm. Have there been cosmologies that were fairly coherent and then people have torn them apart and now they're no longer coherent? In the sense of like someone created a cosmology for religion and other people expanded on it later and uh-huh. it got less coherent over time? Yeah. Yes. Christianity, actually. <laughs> <laughs> So, so uh, this is a fun, this is a fun example. Early Christian cosmology drew a lot, obviously, from Judaic cosmology of the time, which Mm -hmm. had itself evolved over time. At the time, there were thought to be three heavens and then sort of an ambiguous underworld. The the Judaic concept was a three-layer universe where there was an underworld, a mortal world, and an overworld, which is a heaven. Uh, And that's a pretty common structure that you see in a lot of places, is a a Mm three-layer universe. Mm -hmm. Judaic concept of the universe originally was sort of of the Earth as a disk. Through uh, interactions with Greek cosmologies of the time, they evolved that to a spherical Mm -hmm. uh, model. And so then early Christians took that um, evolved Judaic uh, cosmology. The the three heavens, uh, one of which was a paradise and one of which was the highest heaven where Mm -hmm. God would reside. Over time, as... The Gospels were refined as the Council of Nicaea determined what exactly was going to be in the Bible. And then as future theologians 
wrote about their mostly personal gnosis, they would expand that to up to 10 heavens mm. over time. So there was a period of time where there were seven heavens. Then there was a period of time where there were 10 heavens. Which seven, now explains that heaven. show seven, seven heavens. Heaven. Yeah. Now you rarely see multiple heavens discussed in mainstream Christian mm. doctrine. You mostly see heaven referred to just as a singular state. Right. So it's been sort of simplified. Gotcha. Uh, in in mainline Christianity over time. I think because as the heavens were expanded and then as the hells were expanded to match the heavens, right. the cosmology, the ordering of the universe got more complicated and it started to contain more internal contradictions because the theories of those different heavens had been created by different people in vastly different time periods. Right. So they weren't consistent with each other. Gotcha. Which I, I suspect is why mainline Christianity has sort of simplified these concepts into just an, a back I to, heaven, right. a hell. Exactly. Back right. to a, a simple three-layer universe. Right. There's all kinds of stuff when you really mm -hmm. start digging into it that you never knew. Honestly, this is the case for a lot of cosmologies that they evolve over time mm -hmm. as people gain more understandings of the worlds they live in, mm -hmm. as they have spiritual revelations of various kinds. Sometimes as they have political agendas, like uh, Dante Alighieri, who wrote Paradiso and, yeah. and Inferno, Inferno. Yep. he filled the hells with his political opponents. Mm. So part of, his, of the way he ordered the hells in Inferno was creating like nice discrete categories to castigate his opponents. Right, right. So so there are a lot of motives for, for how that sort of thing happens and evolves. Time for us to write a book. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing is that even though Inferno was a work of fiction, it influenced right. later thought by Christians. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, seen as, as holy doctrine or anything. No. But that sort of thing just sort of seeps into Sure. Whatever is popular at the time becomes part of the culture mm -hmm. and... Absolutely. And influences and, how and these you, things and evolve. And you see that in previous cultures as well. Yeah. Ancient cultures. And it gets easier, I think, as we get like the printing press and then the internet. It gets easier for those ideas to spread more widely. Mm -hmm. uh, but we absolutely did see it happening in ancient cultures too. Uh, yeah. It just... It's, I think, why we see those things sort of fragment into smaller groups in the past more than now, where we mostly see it sort of seep into the whole culture. Mm -hmm. At least if it, if it gains enough traction, we can see it seep into a whole culture, whereas it used to be, I think, because it was harder for these ideas to travel, mm -hmm. that they would sort of inculcate in small pockets. pockets. Yeah, and then there would be just these like regional religious differences between groups. What if the greatest tabletop hero you ever played turns out to be yourself? In Vector, Attack of the Meta Pirates move beyond imagination as Captain Vector and his Meta Pirates do battle from game world to world, following players from setting to setting in an attempt to enter the real world. Will you help Captain Vector in his Pinocchio-like quest to enter the real world? or stop him from becoming a living nightmare. Only you can decide. Vector, Attack of the Metapirates, can be purchased online at drivethroughrpg.com on a pay-what-you-want basis. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! That was a good-as-hell read. <laughs> that really was. No edits needed. Spectacular. Love Very that. Very nice. Very nice. One of the things I found interesting when I was looking at cosmology, because like I said, I stumbled into the scientific and went down a rabbit hole. A rabbit hole, as one does. I ended up looking at like a specific tree that they think influenced world trees. <laughs> well, you'll have to send me that. That uh -huh. sounds interesting. Starts with Neolithic cosmology, mm -hmm. which is anywhere from 20,000 to 100,000 years ago with uh, obviously Neolithic peoples. They themselves had their own cosmology, mm -hmm. if you will, but it was just very localized. You know, it would be how you interacted with the world around you and how is how they would define their their world, their universe, mm -hmm. if you will. And then as time goes on, it goes from being localized to being a little bit, you know, larger. And they said that around 20,000 BCE on a bone fragment that was found in Sub-Sahara Africa, a lunar calendar was found. So mm. even 20,000 years ago, people were looking up into the sky and they were they were creating... Marking time. They were marking time 
based on the movements of the moon, they were experiencing what their world was, but also what the, the, greater, wider, universe. the wider universe was that they could witness. They said there were also megalithic structures appear in both Africa and Europe around 5000 BCE. And these are primitive versions of Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. So and that, that were meant to mark the solstices, the equinoxes and figure out Right, the, the movement the, of the, the stars of various uh, celestial bodies. Yeah, so so even from the earliest peoples, even before our our forebears, you know, our right. our ancient ancient our most ancient our ancestors. most ancient ancestors were were using stone tools and creating fire. They were paying attention to what was going on around them, and they were forming ideas on how to react and relate. How that ordered their world. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was very cool, and I have to say, I I just finished watching a uh, a documentary on um, Neanderthals mm-hmm. and how we're still related how we to are them. Still genetically we're related genetically, to Neanderthal, yeah, yeah, exactly. Two percent of people outside of Africa have yeah. Neanderthal genomes, DNA. Yeah, yeah, DNA. These were people who, you know, they used stone, they had fire, they mm-hmm. had their own religious ideas they were artisans you know and so they would have had a cosmology of how they understood the world and that's really amazing when you think of that even our ancient most ancient ancestors our neolithic ancestors Mm -hmm. were paying attention religion was one of the first things we invented (laughs) yeah yeah it's just it's just amazing to me so basically they had in the Neolithic time, mm-hmm. moving up in through to the Bronze Age, they began creating an anthropomorphic, magical worldview mm-hmm. and were interpreting the night sky, how the sun moved, how the world around them worked through observation and experience. They just didn't uh, have a written language, so... Yeah. They can tell us about it, but we can see the signs of its passage. Yeah, we can see the signs as again as as uh, twenty thousand BCE was one of the first examples that someone mm-hmm. was writing this down or or creating a an art making art making art to functional art. Yeah, functional art that would help them understand the passage of time via the moon. Yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of cool in my. That is very cool. You see, um, sort of. The way cosmologies are constructed, mm-hmm. evolving from that kind of early, I guess, spatial cosmology, where it's really, it's its boundaries are local, your physical world, yeah, and which you see in a lot of uh, a, a lot of post Neolithic cultures as well. Like, uh, I'm not going to tell the whole story because I've told it before like half a dozen times <laughs> on the podcast. But uh, you look at like the Norse creation s- story, which talks about the creation of Midgar, which we we now sort of understand Midgar to be the whole Earth, but. At the time, they describe it as being surrounded by Jormungandr, who is in the sea, and so it's you know it's very reasonable to perceive their the limit of that cosmology as mm-hmm. having been Scandinavia, you know, Norway, Iceland. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes back to like even the biblical story of Noah. There, there is evidence through archaeology mm-hmm. and in geology and things like that that there there was a, a lo- super flood a super flood that affected that particular area of the the Mediterranean mm-hmm. you know for them that would be the world yeah it was, the whole world was covered in water wouldn't though like the sky to an ancient people's seem like a sea that's a theory and yes. that Jormungandr was actually just circling the whole earth through the sky it's it's possible, especially because we know the Norse were seafarers. Right. But we do have other cultures where, like, the, the Japanese cosmology is concerned purely with the creation of the islands of Japan. Right. Well, like, I also um, have the Mesopotamian civilizations, well, specifically the Babylonian cosmology based on their myths, is focused on a plurality of heavens and earth mm-hmm. with a six-layer universe consisting of three heavens and three earths, and it was two above the sky, heaven of the stars, the earth, the underground of the Apsu, which is water, and the underworld of the dead. So the earth was created by Marduk as a raft floating on fresh water, which is Apsu, surrounded by a vast body of salt water, which is Tiamat. And then they had two pantheons. They had the heavens and the underworld. Right. We see a lot in creation stories a focus on the separation between the earth and the sky and sometimes on a separation between the earth, the sky, and the waters. Mm-hmm. We see that's a very common trend in a lot of mythologies. So we see these uh, sort of spatial localized cosmologies right. with very specific boundaries. And then we see 
sort of more expansive cosmologies where the origin of the universe is is more clearly meant to encompass the whole Earth, mm-hmm. um, which, as Carr mentioned, you can make an argument that that's what the Norse cosmology is, and that's certainly how we interpret it today. Greek cosmology tends to be a little more expansive, a, a little more, um, especially when you get into the, the spherical Earth mm-hmm. uh, period. But, but the sort of the universe still sort of ends with the planet, mm-hmm. and then you see a universal cosmology that expands into like an into the galaxy um, and beyond into the heavens. I have the early Egyptians. Mm-hmm. They had developed their cosmology, which started out from a very practical way of life and a practical way of seeing the world, mm-hmm. and then it followed into including. Uh, heavenly bodies, the planets, the the, thing, it, the stars they could see. The, it grew more complex yeah, over time. Yeah, it grew more complex over time as they observed the heavens and uh, their myths were about that and became core of their religion uh, and their practices. But they developed lunar and solar calendars mm-hmm. so that their priesthood could calculate the time that their gods would appear hmm. because, you know, their gods, uh, like Ra, was the, the sun, right? The sky goddess, that's Nut. Mm-hmm. And according to the mythology, she is often seen as spread across the sky. The sun enters through her mouth, travels through her body, which is uh, the stars, mm-hmm. and then is born and for them, it became this basically, and it, and it took nine months. So they basically went from the spring equinox to the winter solstice was right, their time because in it. The Egyptians didn't, the, it was a rainy season right. and a dry season. Exactly. It wasn't like spring, summer, autumn, winter. And so, but for them, it became this self creating God and this self creating eternal universe. Mm. Universal cycle. Universal cycle that they studied through the plant, watching the planets and the stars and all the all the moving parts. All the moving parts that they yeah. figured out through their math. Cycles are another very common uh, trend in cosmologies, especially in you go into like Mesoamerican cultures. There are a lot of uh, and and also in in Hindu cosmology, there there's a lot of focus on the universe sort of cycling in and out of existence into different eras. Uh, mm-hmm. The Buddha called them aeons, mm-hmm. uh, which he described as the length of an aeon was how long it would take to erode a one by one by one mile dimension marble stone by sweeping a silk rag over it once a century. So an aeon was a very, very, very long time. Long, long time. But according to the Buddha, finish one and begin a new one, and that was the start. Yep. Restart. The start of a new era. Yeah. A new yep. era, a new universe. Yep. Scuba says restart the universe still sounds kind of terrifying. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that I'd mind that right now. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get to a point of maximum entropy, and it's just time to reset the clock. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody earlier was saying, I want to see when they start applying flat earth theory to, to cosmology, <laughs> universal cosmology. We have a flat universe. <laughs> very two-dimensional. Uh-huh. So so cycles are very common, um, especially when you get into like multifaceted cosmologies. So there are mm. some cosmologies where the edges of the universe aren't spatial, so they're not localized, they're not the planet, they're not even the known uh, or perceivable universe. They are multiple intersecting or mm-hmm. overlaying universes. So you have a couple like that. Um, Hinduism, again, is mm-hmm. one. And and this is partly because Hindu cosmology is, is one of those that has a lot of sort of internal contradictions. And like I said, the Rig Veda basically shrugs about it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, eh, I think that just goes to show that Hinduism is a lot more complex it's a than, very complicated than religion. we really understand or give credit yeah. for. Uh, and it's not like the development of, of Hinduism stopped with the Rig Veda. Like, that's right. an ancient text. Uh, it's continued to evolve over time. Hindu cosmology includes the possibility of um, multiple intersecting and overlaying universes that may uh, or may not interact with each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which I think is fascinating, really. Mm -hmm. And that's alongside the thousands and thousands of gods. So Mm -hmm. if you ever have time to do an in-depth study of Hinduism, it's worth it. And And by enough time, you mean what? 
10 years? I mean, probably your entire life. You could yeah. probably spend your whole life studying yeah. Hinduism. And that doesn't even include that. I mean, there's their deities and there's their other types of, of spiritual mm-hmm. entities that are at play. and All the different... It's not like Hinduism is a mono-religion. No. It's got multiple sects and different... Layers. Yeah, so... Different you, layers of deities. Literally spend your, your you multiple could. lifetimes studying Absolutely. Hinduism. And Buddhism is also And their complex. mythology is... I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Their mythology is beautiful. It's mm-hmm. It's straight. Oh, there's up. a there's a there's a strong uh, thread of poetry. I think, yeah, in, absolutely. In mythology. Absolutely. These are Celt things. So, the Celts only believed that there were two seasons, and they were winter and summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they were separated by Samhain and Belting. Okay. So, or May Day as we think of it today, <laughs> unless you're pagan, in which case you think Beltane. So, and we've talked about those, obviously. Right. <laughs> we love Ad finitum. No more holiday episodes. <laughs> um, but they also believed in three worlds, which we've also talked about, the land, sea, and the sky. Right. right? Which is so um, a got little... That three a little different from the the typical three-layer universe, yes. where it's mm-hmm. the, the mortal earth, the underworld... And the sky, uh, yeah. or the upper heavens, world. Yeah. yeah, the upper world. Yeah, so the land would be the sacred realm of plants, trees, animals, stones, and humans. Uh-huh. The sky would be the domain of sky gods and goddesses, like the gods of thunder and that kind of stuff. And then the sea was the basically what they would think of as the underworld. Okay. It's, it's somewhat broken up that way, but not really. Right. So so there are corollaries, but yes. not uh, yep. direct comparisons. And then they had four treasures... So when the Tuatha Dé Danann came to the Celtic Isles, mm-hmm. so Ireland. what we think of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, mm-hmm. they brought with them their four treasures, mm-hmm. which was the Sword of Nude, the Cauldron of the Dagda, the Spear of Lu, and the Stone of Destiny. So the Sword of Nude made no one could escape it once it was unsheathed. Uh, the Cauldron of the Dagda was an inexhaustible container of food. Right. We've, we've heard about yep. that. Yep. The Spear of Lou made the bearer invincible. So you got the sword and the spear. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> they were warriors. Dual wield. And the Stone of Destiny was said that it had a magical connection to Danu and that whenever a true king stood upon it, it would roar. The stone, the stone. would mm-hmm. roar. And so that's how they would know who was the true king. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And that, how big was the stone? <laughs> if they had to stand I don't know, they on brought it. it with them. I was going to say, they brought it with them, but and you had to had stand, stand on, on it. it. Yeah. So a pretty bulky stone. Yes, yep. And then there were five major directions. Five directions. Now, there were actually 12 directions, but there were only five of them that were major. Okay. The reason why we know that there were 12 directions that were recognized as being semi-significant by the Celts is that there were 12 winds that are talked about. Okay, and and each wind has a different direction. Correct, and it has a unique effect upon land and people. okay. Uh, But for religious purposes, there were five Five important important major directions uh, that can be found in a lot of the stories and myths. The north was the direction of battle and fire. The east was the direction of abundance and prosperity. The south was the goddess direction, associated with water and creative arts, music, poetry, that kind of stuff. The west was history-keeping, storytelling, and illumination. And then uh, the last one was the center. So they had a center direction. Interesting. um, Which was where ritual space was. So that's not, like, up or down. Correct. It's, it's just where, where you, you are, are yep. is a direction. Yep. That's an interesting way to frame that. Yeah, and the number five would be considered their sacred hole. Interesting. Yeah. So would you consider... So here's a question for you, sort of a comparative question. Mm-hmm. In Mesoamerican cultures, they had world trees, like many mm-hmm. other cultures. Yep, and, and they do in, in, yeah. in, in the Celts. In Celts. Yep. But there was... Um, God, I can't remember which specific culture it was, but there was a specific Mesoamerican culture where the world tree had four branches, and the branches were the cardinal directions, mm-hmm. and the center of the tree, the the trunk of the tree, was sort of the world itself, the axis mundi, if you will. Does that sound similar to... Very similar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and I think if you go back and look at all of the parts I just talked about, mm-hmm. you can relate, if not all of them, a great majority of them to Hindu uh, traditions, so Vedic. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that the Celts, mm-hmm. if not influenced by, may have been an offshoot of 
Vedic culture. Well, you know, because we know there were we know there were traveling people. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we know that before them, you know that that various cultures like the Picts and mm-hmm. whatnot were, you know, they were traders. Yeah, but the Picts. Uh, so the Picts are more Ireland, Scotland before right. the Tuath Denedon. Right. Pre-Celtic. So, Pre-Celtic. Correct. Yep. So the the Celtic peoples came from Gaul to the Celtic Isles. Correct. Right. Yeah. So Gaul is France-ish. Y- yes, yeah. Yeah, France, Germany. So there could have been trade there right, with yep. the Indian subcontinent. Yep. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like when we were talking about the Neolithic cosmology, one of the things that, you know, that has been found fascinating is that so many of these Neolithic structures mm-hmm. uh, were similar or, you know, or that right, they, had, proof, they had similar there's proof that structures, yeah, designs. Some, yeah, with similar purposes. Even though they would have been created by separate clans or, right. or tribes. Widely separated Widely peoples. separated peoples. So there's, it's just interesting to me that, that people can, have, there's a thread of commonality. Uh, yeah, familiarity. Familial, familiarity. Like I, even if we don't, even if they don't have trade, even if they don't come in contact Cause, with Because that's another. my question. Like, then like with did, the world tree. Because I can, I can easily imagine the, the Celtic peoples interacting with the Nordic peoples yep. and world tree concepts all just sort of filtering together Mm -hmm. but i don't know if any of those peoples if vedic peoples celtic peoples norse peoples had contact with these mesoamerican cultures were these ideas being shared Mm -hmm. back and forth or were they developing independently and if they were developing independently why right yeah going and that's one of the things that you know, in, in the study that I did was that the Celtic tradition that I in particular looked up because, mm-hmm. you know. It's the one most relevant to you. It's the one most relevant to me is that it relates to Hinduism. It also relates to Native American traditions and Siberian shamanism. Mm. So we're in multiple yeah, parts. All, all over the all world. All over the world. Now, if we go by, you know, it used to be one big landmass. Right. That Pangea. eventually, right, that eventually broke apart. Then maybe these ideas were inculcated way, way early. Way, way mm-hmm. early. And and just sort of remembered. Uh huh. Well, here's yeah. possible. Here's the thing again from that documentary of watching, um, you know, the right the the Neolith, the, the Neanderthal, the Neanderthal, the the Stone Age and pre Stone Age is that they do believe that there there was these these people groups because like for instance the Neanderthals were were nomads they moved mm-hmm. all over the place. And uh, they believe eventually when um, what we know as Homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. Homo uh, sapiens sapiens. Yes. Came, they came into contact with one another. There does appear to have been trade, obviously, mm-hmm. even as far back as... And, and they had language back then. Right. It was not language necessarily that we understand. Right. And we don't have a record of it, We don't have a record. But, but uh, there's, there's definite... There was communication. There was communication. So it's highly likely, I think, that if they if they had their own understanding of the world, if they had their own religious beliefs, their own understanding of, of what we now call deity, that they would share those with other tribes that they ran across. Other and those ideas, as you said, would remain in the common memory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steph says ancestral memory of a sorts, maybe for how it's a common thread across so many areas. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a. Personally, I have a strong belief in in the concept of, of ancestral memory, mm-hmm. um, just because we do see this kind of resonance, even when you don't have obvious trade among these groups. Right, when we can't find a specific link between right. them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, I don't know a lot about, you know, the current tribes that are, are cut off from, mm-hmm. you know, that are not part of modern society. That there are, are a few still. There are still a few. But, you know, they have their own understanding of the universe and mm-hmm. they have their own cosmology. And it's how people operate. <laughs> right. We're, we're sort of clearly, based on how we keep doing it, we're sort of hardwired to try to explain the universe that we find mm-hmm. ourselves in mm-hmm. and we go about that in different ways but the the commonalities between some of these ways of perceiving mm-hmm. the universe are really interesting to me yeah i'd be interested to know what what there if there are any similarities with these current tribes yeah that are isolated uh, uh, from uh, unfortunately uh, it's better for it's almost yes, better, it's for, better them for them if we don't for us not to know yes it is definitely um, better to the, remain a mystery the handful of, of tribes that uh, have not been inundated yeah. with modern culture are being very carefully protected so that they aren't i think that's good personally yeah join our tiger kelly on a visit to tree wizard creations 
where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths. They offer unique gifts and tools for the altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com, follow them on Facebook, or find them online at T-R-E-E-W-Y-Z-A-R-D-Creations.com. Hail Dictinus again. Hail Dictinus. Light some more rosemary on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but Rhiannon Grace said something uh, interesting that I want to bring up. They've been talking in the chat about, oh, oh, it was clearly it was ancient aliens. I hate that. Uh, and everyone's everyone's being very facetious about yes, it. But, but Rhiannon Grace says, that ancient alien show drives me mad. Like, seriously? Humans have made so many incredible leaps in tech that they don't blame on aliens, but the buildings ancient people built, ancient people of color in particular built, yes. clearly not possible. That is one of my major pet peeves. Yeah. Is this is something Gwen and I have been talking oh about for years. Oh my God. The very first time I ever, you know, I, my mother had a copy of Chariots of the Gods and it just pissed me off even then when I read it in high school. Um, because, you know, it, it's disrespectful is it's what it is. It's so goddamn disrespectful because you've got like these amazing cultures, the Egyptian culture, the, the, the Islamic cultures, mm-hmm. which <laughs> they were way ahead of we Europe on so math for ahead. a very long time. So far ahead. And these amazing, beautiful structures they made, these amazing cities and the, the their art and their, their writing and everything mm-hmm. they did. And you're going to fucking tell me that it was aliens that gave them inspiration? Yeah. No, that's a great... Or that, even just did it. You know, that's a great uh, storyline for SG-1, you know, for Stargate. <laughs> but it is a story for a television show. Yeah. These were amazing, creative, wonderful people. And humanity still is. Look at what we've done today. Look at how we are speaking to you. Exactly. Long distance. Some of you all are seeing us. Electronically. And we're recording our voices so you can listen to it later. (laughs) I have, seriously, I have always found it to be just insane hubris on the part of humanity, modern day humans, of modern day yeah. humans, to make any assumption about our ancient ancestors. Let, let's ancient. just keep in mind that all ancient just, aliens are white. I mean, just so you <laughs> right. know. So, um, no, it's you know. serious, seriously, that that it drives me crazy. That yeah. that whole I I refuse to watch that show because it pisses me off. But yeah, no, it it infuriates me perpetually. People who who claim that the ancient wonders of the world. Yes. Had to have been had to have been created by an alien peoples. I know it just when you when you find out when you, any information about about the various ancient wonders of the world, the yeah. you know the Babylonian hanging gardens and the, and the it giant. Really, you know the cars being facetious about the all aliens are white thing, but it really is sort of an extrapolation mm-hmm. of a mm-hmm. white savior theory mm-hmm. of well, clearly these brown people weren't capable of creating something so glorious on their own. Mm-hmm. Someone must have taught them how to do it. Exactly. Which is exactly the same kind of bullshit narrative yeah. that white conquerors have been bringing with them into every culture they've ever touched. I mean, look at the look at the you know the Aztec structures that were were created or the Incan structures Mm -hmm. that were created. I mean, these were amazing cities and... Some um, of them still exist. Yeah, and look, we were just talking about the Mayan calendar. Mm -hmm. You know, it was intricate and sophisticated and it was based on their understanding of the world and the the universe. Even the Neolithic lunar calendar you were talking about is a sophisticated... it, It shows a sophisticated understanding of time and motion mm-hmm. and and how to and, and that those things were relevant to their lives mm-hmm. and and worth recording and structuring their lives around mm-hmm. like that's sophisticated thought in our neolithic ancestors exactly. you can't claim that they wouldn't have in the next 20,000 years figured out how to build a pyramid just because white explorers were like how they get the rocks there exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> but so- so apparently it's the white explorers <laughs> issue. Exactly. Oh, the there. It's, it is though. It's it the white archaeologists who came later and we're looking and we're like, I can't imagine how someone could have how done this. Do Therefore, it is impossible. Yeah. That's exactly. the conclusion they came to was, well, I can't do this. So no one could have. Exactly. They can't figure out how they did anything really mm-hmm. back then because they had different. Different tools. Different tools. And, and they, they solved problems differently than we did. But clearly they made it work. 
clearly they solved those problems or we wouldn't have these structures today. Mm -hmm. And you can see the, you can literally see the evolution of pyramids. You can see the shitty early pyramids uh -huh. when they hadn't figured out the math yet and they just like fell over. Mm -hmm. We have those still. Yeah. So you can literally see the evolution of Egyptian pyramids getting more and more sophisticated over time, time until we get to Giza. Exactly. Just enrages me. Anyway. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, we really don't like that guy. No. From Ancient no. Aliens. That guy can get fucked. Exactly. Or preferably not, because he might enjoy it. That's... And I don't want him to have anything he might enjoy. That's right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on. Rhiannon says, even though there are so many times when native peoples have proven how it was yeah. done, and people still ignore them. So something else that I wanted to touch on, I guess, about cosmologies is there are sort of, I mean, obviously there are uh, an incalculable uh, number of ways that people have, have come up with for Conceiving how, the how the universe was created and, yep. and, and organized. But there are two sort of main ones I want to touch on, I think, because they're so opposite each other. So one is creatio ex nihilo which is that a creator god of some kind manifests the universe out of nothing. Mm -hmm. So nothing exists, and then a creator god who exists <laughs> creates matter out of nothing. Okay. And we won't examine the contradictions there because there are contradictions in every cosmology. Mm -hmm. And then there's the creation of order out of chaos, where matter existed before the currently understood universe, but it was in a state that was incapable of, of comprehension, either of comprehending itself or of being understood. And usually a creator god ordered that matter and made it into a comprehensible universe. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have weird fusions of those, like to touch again on the Norse one, Technically, everything there happens in the void, but the void has stuff in it. Why? We don't know. Because. <laughs> just because. <laughs> just because it did. There's a cosmic cow in the void. Why? And Gunungagap. And Gunungagap, yeah, yes. is, is, is the void. But it's the void that both is nothing and contains everything. Yes. yes. But, and the cow licks it, right? And, well, the cow licks the ice that is created when two primordial realms in Gunungagap get too close to each other. Gotcha. Yeah. And the cow also exists in Ganungagap, separate from the two primordial planes, and she licks some ice and creates some gods. <laughs> yeah. We don't know how, we don't know why, it just happens. It's fun because I named something Ganungagap at the metery, Yeah. <laughs> and nobody can pronounce it. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm going to have the G, and that's all they say. Amazing. The G. <laughs> I love it. Oh, amazing. Love that's that. That's good. That's you good. You need to name something Athombla now. <laughs> some kind of milk stout or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there are those sort of two, I think, most common concepts or, or understandings of, of where the universe comes from. And I think that's interesting in part because it actually sort of parallels the scientific cosmologies mm -hmm. So uh, about where the universe came from. So like you've got Big Bang Theory, mm -hmm. which is that there was nothing, and then an explosion, and then there was a universe. Unless you want, you have those who say there was the stuff floating around, and there's some collisions happening. Exactly, and that caused the Big Bang. Exactly. So the Big Bang itself has sub theories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you've got the there was nothing, then an explosion, then there was a universe. You've got the there was nothing with stuff in it mm -hmm. that exploded, <laughs> and then there was a universe. <laughs> I've even seen a few theories uh, uh, about, they're not as popular as the Big Bang, obviously, about the creation of the universe that just there was matter. And then through an unknown process, it became orderly. Yeah. It coalesced. <laughs> yeah, it, coalesced. It, just, it just decided it just one day to, to become ordered. It just happened it, in unknowable processes. Mm -hmm. Something that I think is interesting, though, is that what you don't find is a concept of an ordered universe into which chaos is introduced. Mm -hmm. You see that after creations of universe as like the destruction of a paradise, mm -hmm. but ultimately it starts from a creatio ex nihilo. There was nothing, God created it. It was perfect and then it decayed. Mm -hmm. But we never see like the universe just existed in a perfectly ordered state yeah. and chaos was introduced to it in order to make it livable. Mm -hmm. We don't see that happen, which I think is really interesting. And I think it indicates something about sort of the how humans perceive reality. The other thing I wanted to point out is that 
in addition to creation cosmology and how mm-hmm. everything came together. Cosmogony. Cosmogony. We also have multiple religions. It's not just one or two where uh, the universe is restarted, mm-hmm. destroyed, renewed. <laughs> right. That, those are the cycle universes. Armageddon. Basically. Um, and Armageddon. And Sorry. something that I think is interesting about cyclical universes is that they don't have, most of the time, they don't have starting and ending points. Mm-hmm. They're infinitely cycling. They've always been cycling and they'll cycle into infinity. Mm-hmm. And um, beyond? And beyond. You do often see like the end of a cycle mm-hmm. is an apocalypse of some kind. Mm-hmm. I often wonder if it's things like the, the volcano exploding Pompeii? at Pompeii or, you know, a tsunami or an earthquake. Major catastrophe. Some major world catastrophe, a, a flood, mm-hmm. a, you know, a great flood that destroys everything known. Right. The known civilization. The known civilization at the time that inspires this concept of a world ending. Mm-hmm. You know, this, an Armageddon, an apocalypse. Uh, any Because it is a very common conception it, in, in a lot of cosmologies that there will be an end to we, not just us as a species, but reality in general. We, we live on that right now with zombie apocalypses, you know. <laughs> All of those are human-centric. A zombie apocalypse destroys the human species, mm-hmm. but leaves the Earth intact and in some ways improved. But you do see apocalypses where... Uh, it's not just the end of like life as we know it. Right. It's the end of reality. Yeah. Just everything stops. Right. And it um, is quite often replaced with something else. Right. Exactly. It's sometimes it's replaced with basically an exact replica of what mm-hmm. came before. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's replaced with some some kind of paradise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's replaced with explicitly something new and incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something beyond the understanding of the people in the current cycle. At least and it doesn't get upgrades as much as my phone. <laughs> and and I want to stress that that's multiple, you know, religions, that's multiple cultures right. have these beliefs. It's not just one or major religion. Right. It's two. not like there are a few apocalypse cult religions. No, it's many, it's, many religions there, have there some are many kind religions of um, have this. apocalyptic cycle. Yeah. That could have to do with like local catastrophes influencing religious thought. Right. That, that was my... It could also just be as simple as like, we know entropy exists because we die. Mm-hmm. And so do all the other living things we know about. And it's trying to understand how that... How, the, how that scales how that up. scales up, yeah. Right? Like, we, we even know um, over a long enough period of time that, as the Buddha would, would have it, uh, stones erode mm-hmm. very slowly mm-hmm. over long periods of time. So, so we know even the most permanent things in our perceivable reality aren't truly permanent. Mm-hmm. So it could just be that apocalypse narratives are an attempt to, to scale that up, to expand that to the whole universe. And we do have scientific theories about the end of the universe. Mm-hmm. Heat death and... Well, the um, sun going supernova. No, well, see, that's local still. That's, <laughs> no, that's, that's, true, that's, that's a galactic apocalypse. That's true. But, but we do have uh, the heat death of the universe is where we reach maximum entropy and everything just stops. Yep. We can't produce any more energy. So that's the end of everything. But I think beginnings and endings are all a part of cosmology. Mm-hmm. I think in this is... Necessarily. Uh, a cosmology, you could argue, is the whole narrative between uh, the beginning and the mm-hmm. end, mm-hmm. and then flipping over to that reboot of the next beginning. Yeah, Gemma says everything that starts must end according to humans. Right. And I think because that's, that's because how, that's yeah, that's how our we perceive life. That mm-hmm. is our perception of the world. This is what life. I was talking about. We have a hard time understanding infinite concepts. Mm-hmm. Because while we may feel like we are going to go on forever. You know, it's hard for people to conceptualize the idea of their own death a lot of times, but yet you live with it because you see death around you, Mm -hmm. you know, with family members, friends. Even just seasons. Seasons, exactly. Rana Gray says, I assume about sort of the end of the universe, uh, it's such an unanswerable question. I just don't give a fuck. What's the point of obsessing <laughs> over something that I nor any of my future family will be around for? Curiosity. Yeah, it's you don't have to obsess over it. Uh, I just think it's it's a fun concept to explore. Like I'm not gonna. No one. Chances are humans won't be around by the time our sun goes supernova. As Scuba says, humans like puzzles. Yeah, exactly. That's why we have science. That's why why scientists. Uh, we have theoretical scientists. And it's why we have theologians. And theologians and philosophers. Because we like to figure stuff out. And sometimes we have to admit, we don't know. We don't know. But we're going to keep poking it. All right. I, All think right. That's, I think that's everything. 
Gwen, is that everything? Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything we can discuss on cosmology. I mean, it's a huge subject. Right, we couldn't possibly go into, like, every culture's... Nah, we barely scratched the surface. ...structure of the universe. Um, Yeah, but it is something that's interesting to to read about. There's some very interesting websites out there. You mm -hmm. know, all you have to do is Google cosmology. Religious. Religious cosmology. (laughs) Or if you're interested in going down the rabbit hole of science cosmology, that's very interesting, too. Because there is a there's a lot to, to learn out there. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at three underscore pagans. You can find us on Facebook at three P A A C. That's three pack. You can find us on YouTube. Just look up three pagans and a cat in the search bar. You can find us on Patreon. Again, patreon.com forward slash three the number three pagans and a cat you can also find us on redbubble by going to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash three pagans forward slash shop you can also hear us on apple podcasts google play google podcasts castro Castbox, overcast pocket cast spotify stitcher tune in iHeartRadio and Radio Public. Or you can just Google us, fuckers. <laughs> oh I was my waiting. Gosh. I, I was, was waiting. Like, you you have been uh you have that's been a long time since you've done uh-huh. that. Since you've listed them all. Uh, Scuba says car's taking advantage of all the good reads tonight. Yeah. <laughs> did you do the three pagans at a cat.com? I missed it if you did. There was so much information there. <laughs> all the information I gave you came off of the website, the number three. Pagansandacat.com. There you go. Spectacular. He's feeling in voice. Uh-huh. It's, it's, good, it's a good voice night. <laughs> it's a good voice night. Hail Dictus. Which is funny because I feel like shit. I know. You I don't know. feel well. But... All right. Uh, so I think we're going to sign off. Car, if you will hit the button, please. No. Um, oh, the, the, way yep, way over there. Way over there. At the desk. You have to. What? <laughs> you want me to do it? Oh, you big baby. Oh, really? Seriously? <laughs> <laughs>